Hi, welcome to the Acts Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. The title for today's message is called The Virgin, the Fiance, and Shepherds. I'm going to say it one more time. The Virgin, the Fiance, and Shepherds. I know, on the surface, this sounds like a setup for a punchline. You know, you probably heard people tell jokes before, you know, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a Malaysian, Singaporean, and Australian walk into a hotel, you know, and, and, and then I won't, I, won't fall, I won't finish it. I won't finish it. But usually the punchline is on the Malaysian. But, but today, this is not a setup uh, on a joke, but this is a, a setup on God's love. And so today's message, I want to really help us to unpack God's love. You know, as a Christian and in Christianity, there are really two occasions uh, that act as the hinges uh, towards the door that God has opened up for us. And one of those hinges is Christmas, the other is Easter. On Easter, we celebrate the sacrifice of Jesus, the sacrifice on the cross, and of course, the resurrection of our Messiah as well. But on Christmas, what it really is, is not just God coming to us, but it's also a celebration on God's love. Because the Bible in John chapter 3, verse 16 says this, For God so loved the world that He gave. Before Jesus came, He wanted us to know that the underlying motivation for Him coming is not to prove a point. The underlying motivation of Him coming is not to show off, but it's to tell us how much He loves us. And so today, we want to look at the first Christmas, the very humble beginnings uh, at Jesus' birth, where there was no palace, there was no paparazzi, there was, no, there was nothing special, uh, except that there was a virgin who was pregnant. And I know that sounds crazy, but we'll go into that in a while. There was a fiancé, and there was some shepherds. I know modern interpretations even have animals, but if you look at the Bible, and which we will in a while, you don't really see much mention of animals surrounding Jesus. But I know sometimes artists, they just feel like there's too much blank spaces. Let's put in some animals and, and give it a certain, you know, Disney vibe to it, where the, even the animals came and, and, and worshipped. And maybe even connoting the fact that, you know, when Jesus came, all of nature bowed in, 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 you know, to adore Him. You know, but today we want to look at the nativity scene, if you can put it that way, or the very first Christmas. Because I really believe that not only does God love us, God doesn't make mistakes. Turn to your neighbor and says, God doesn't make mistakes. Amen. And then turn back to your neighbor and say, you are not a mistake. Amen. Amen. No, God doesn't make mistakes. And God is so He's such a genius. He's such a, you know, he's, he's, he's the ultimate mastermind. Everything that he does, there's so much intention behind it. Everything that he does, is there's, there's layers of meaning behind it. And so today, we want to unpack some of this meaning, you know, and we want to discover, you know, why uh, of, of all ways to come to earth, God chose a virgin. Uh, you know, of, of all the people, he could have had presidents. He could have had princes. He could have had princesses. He could have had, I don't know, you know, anything there at the scene of his birth. But, but he chose to have a virgin. He chose to have 
You know, Joseph, the fiancé of Mary, and he chose to have shepherds. And these weren't, these weren't just random people that happened to be there, uh, but these were people that needed to be there to show a, a double meaning of God's love towards us. Amen? So let's look to some scripture so you understand uh, all these characters that we're going to be unpacking today. Let's turn, first of all, to Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 37. And then after that, we will read Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 20. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 37. And we have it flashed up on the screen for those of us who uh, don't have a Bible. Uh, and let's, let's read together. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favoured one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered, Oh man, what manner of greeting was this? Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus and he will be great and he'll be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And, when he, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Praise God. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I... Do not know a man. And so just for our understanding, this is just a very polite old English way of saying, how could this be when I've not had sex with anyone? So, you know, just, okay, just to bring some spiciness into church. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Implying that this birth is not going to be carnal, it's going to be man-made, it's going to be the Holy Spirit coming upon her. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. And therefore also that the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And so right here, you also have Mary, not only was she used by God, but she was also history's first surrogate mom. Wow, isn't that amazing? And now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this now, the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Amen. Isn't that a powerful promise that we can claim from God? And so let's read on. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 20. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. And so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out to the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of this house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife. So they were engaged, not yet married, who was with child. Ooh, scandalous. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. To be, de to be delivered. Uh, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. And because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel 
said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings, good news of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. So that was the first singing of the carols as well. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary, the virgin, and Joseph, the fiancé, and the babe, Jesus, lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying, which was told to them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and pondered them in her heart. Amen. Praise God. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen and it was told to them. Amen. So this is just some scriptural context to, 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 for us to know. Uh, where these three characters, the virgin, the fiancé, and the shepherd, and, and how they are involved in the birth of Christ. And so, I want to give you three points and three ways to look at the love of God again. And we will look at the love of God through these three characters, and each of them was used by God to also, for Him to express uh, His love for us. So, let's, let's talk about the virgin first, the virgin Mary. So why? Why did God, why, you know, if, 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 if God would come to earth, why didn't He just teleport it down? Why did He just appear as a fully adult form? Why did He go through, you know, a, 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 a natural birth? And why did He allow Himself to be, you know, carried for nine months, I assume, uh, by a virgin? Well, first of all, you know, what's more supernatural? A beam of light or a woman walking around nine months carrying a baby while she's still a virgin? The second one. And so the point number one, you know, why did God use a virgin birth is to, rep, is to tell us that the, His love for us is supernatural. His love for us is not just a flash of light. His love for us is supernatural. It is not something that can be produced in this world. Another word for supernatural is it's out of this world. You know, we've, we've never seen, you know, and, and the only person, the only version to walk around carrying a baby was Mary. And, and, and when she was doing that for nine months, yes, there was probably a lot of people whispering, what's that about? Uh, but to her, it represents the supernatural love of God. First of all, God so loved her that would allow her to be a vessel. And God so loved the world that He sent His Son in such a supernatural way. And this is so important for us to understand because I feel that the word love today is so cheapened. You know, people say it all the time. You know, people say it without even meaning it. You know, and, and, and some people say it, you know, just to get the girl's heart. You know what I'm saying? You know, oh, I, I know that's like, I, I, I used to have uh, some friends who don't know Jesus, you know. Uh, and they used to say, yeah, you know, the way to a girl's heart is just to say, I love you. 
and, and then the girl will give you anything. I mean, that's some, that's some nasty idea right there. But, but it goes to show that in the world that we live today, the word love has, has almost, you know, lost its meaning. And God knows that, you know, the word love can be perverted by man, misused by man. That's why he had to bring a supernatural definition. His love is not just, I love you from your favorite celebrity. His love is not just the XOXO, I love you that you send at the end of a text message. You know, his love is, is not just something you, you, you randomly say at the spur of a moment. You know, his love is supernatural. It's out of this world. And God wants to remind us again that this love that we today use so flippantly is actually, its origin is not from earth. If you think about it, you know, if you look at, and I've used this example before, but, but I'll use it again. If you look at nature, you don't see love. You know, one of the things that I loved growing up watching was the National Geographic specials. And they'll tell you about how, how, how majestic the eagle is and, and how the eagle will go out and hunt, you know, for food for its, you know, chick. Uh, but then the, 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 the documentary proceeds to talk about how the eagle teaches the young eaglings, eagle chicks, whatever you call it. Uh, somebody will correct me after the service, I'm sure. How to fly. And do you want to know how eagles learn to fly? They get kicked out of the nest. That's how. There's no love. There's no going like, oh, young eagle. You know, maybe in Disney channels, you have that, you know, a talking, you know, eagle going like, oh, you know, no, fly. Fly like papa. Fly like mama, you know. And then the little eagle is like, I'm trying, mama. I'm trying. But in real life, you know, I've seen this before. The eagle will actually, the, the, the female, the, the eagle hand, if I can use that word, will start destroying the nest. They will literally like kick the nest and the, the little bird will be like, well, what's happening? And before you know it, they will be pushed off the ledge. And, and as I'm watching the documentary, the, the bird will just fall because eagles roost in, in, in peaks. And so the, the, the bird will just fall and try to flap. And some will eventually, you know, it's so dramatic. It's like, you know, and of course, you know, usually Dave, Sir David Attenborough will be like, and the young chick is falling helplessly. And seconds will tell us whether it is sink or swim. And then you see, in the final moments, the little ego makes it and learns to flap. Everything connects. Oh, so beautiful. And then, you know, the camera pans in 4K nowadays on the ego that flies. And then, and then it's so, wow, such a beautiful sight. A young ego that just learned to fly. And it always ends like this. Don't, don't believe me? Go back, Google it. Planet Earth 1 or 2. I both have it. And then, but unfortunately, not everyone makes it. And then it pans to like, like, like five dead egos on the floor. And I'm like, like ah! And that's Mother Nature. Those of you who have pets, how many of you have had pet hamsters before? Oh, you know how cute they are, but don't let the cuteness fool you. How many of you have had pet hamsters that had the fortunate occurrence to have little hamster babies? And you know, you've seen that before? How many of you have accidentally touched one of the hamster babies? And how many of you have seen the mother hamster as cute as she is? And even though all this while you've only been feeding her nuts and sunflower seeds, start feasting on the baby hamsters. Right, I see some hands go out. So I see some jaws drop. You go like, oh, Pastor, I thought I was coming to church. <laughs> this, is, this is Christmas, right? I'm just saying that, you know, that, that's just nature, right? And, and the, the, the hamsters, they look cute. They look so furry. But, but if something happens to make them feel threatened, and when you touch a baby hamster before the mom is ready, the mom will certainly smell, not 
the hamster anymore, but it will smell you. And with what the hamster will smell is, is, is intrusion. And instinct comes over the mom because the mom had just given birth, going like, oh, but suddenly, and then survival kicks in. And then it's, it's either I will kill the thing that has been intruded, you know, or I will feast on all my little babies so I become strong to breed another day. That's nature for you. That's nature for you. You know, but love is not like that. You, you never see, and, and, and being in church, we've seen before, sometimes uh, young women get pregnant, and, uh, you know, as a church, we'll always do our part to help them at least carry the baby to full term. If they want to give it up for adoption, they can give it up for adoption, but we'll always be against them just terminating that life because every life is precious. And we've seen people that even though they've made up their mind, that they're going to give up their baby and they want to have nothing to do with their baby. But you still see, even though they could have said that during six months carrying the baby, but at that moment after giving birth, there is a longing. You know, we spoke to some doctors in our, in our church and they said there's always that look of longing of like, oh, that, that, that split second of like, oh, I hope I'm making the right decision because that's my baby. That's my baby girl. That's my baby boy. And I, I'm not going to see... And what God is trying to tell us again is, look, humanity, this love that you have perverted, this love that you take for granted, this love was actually for me. And I'm showing you again, perfect love. I'm not just coming and, and I'm, I don't just want rule-obeying believers. If I wanted that, I'll just throw some tablets from heaven with, with the Ten Commandments there. But I came in love to show you that I, I love you first and foremost. And so what does it mean for us? I don't know what you're going through, friends, but I want you to know that you are covered in God's supernatural love. You're covered in a love that doesn't give up. You know, because human love, let's be real for a while here, you know, you say, yeah, yeah, I know love, you know, it's something special about love. And, and, and even if you're single, we have all at least experienced some form of love from our parents. But if I can be real with you, sometimes that love is also incomplete. That love has also been perverted a little bit uh, because sometimes that love can be conditional. How many of you have, have been there before? Your mom says that if you do really well this year, you'll get the new iPhone. If you do really well this year, he'll send you more money or, she, you know, your dad will send you more money so that you can go for that holiday. You know, I remember when you were young, you know, my, 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 my wife told me that she really wanted this mobile phone. You know, back then there was no Apple, it was just Nokia, and back then it was like the, the, the coolest thing. And now if I say Nokia, you'd be saying, what's that? And, uh, and she really wanted it, but it came with a condition. Uh, did her parents love her? Yes. Uh, but it still came with a condition, you got to do well. Or at least the condition was, not this year, maybe next year's birthday. But God doesn't love us with a conditional love. You know, so what does that speak to us? Don't begin to define God's love on human terms. And I really don't know your background. I really don't know where you're coming from. But maybe while this is Christmas, you feel to yourself that, you know what, I, I've not felt like I've been the best believer this whole year. You know, I felt like even though I call myself a Christian, this year hasn't been my best year in terms of trusting God and believing in Him and honouring Him. I want you to know that God still loves you. Because His love is not a human type of love. His love is a non-conditional. His love is a supernatural love. 
Amen? And that's why God used a virgin because it represents the supernatural aspect of God. But not just that, it also tells you that God's been in love with you for a very long time. You see, a lot of this virgin birth to us, it might be, mm, that, that, that's a curious incident. But to, to the, the Jewish people, to the Hebrew people, you know, all these details, like, uh, like being born in the city of David, being born under the lineage of King David, you know, being born through a virgin, these were all part of at least 315 prophecies in the Old Testament, specifically pointing to how the Messiah will be born. And so when Jesus chose this, he was also trying to tell the Hebrew people that I've loved you for a very long time. And I've been preparing this gift of love for a very long time. In fact, the root word for Mary came from Miriam. And Miriam is, is, is a name, it's a Hebrew name, but its origin is in Egypt. Because the Hebrew people used to be living in Egypt for close to 300 years of slavery. Those of you who know the Bible also know that Miriam was also Moses' sister. And it was the sister that saw that Moses in a baby floated down the Nile safely. And so God was choosing again a similar name, Miriam, the root word for the word Mary. So it was a Miriam who saw to Moses being preserved and being set up to become a liberator for his people. So, you know, thousands of years later, God is using a Mary to see and make sure that the Messiah is also set up to liberate all of mankind. And so God is trying to, my, my love for you is supernatural. My love for you have existed even before you were born. Even before your parents were born. Even before your grandparents were born. Your, my love for you is, is, is intertwined with, with a thousand-year-old prophecy. It, it, it mirrors my love for, for my people from the very early on. And so I pray that as Christmas comes, we will not just be, you know, taken by the lights and all that, but, but remember that, wow, this love that God has for me is a long time coming. This is a supernatural love since the dawn of time. Amen? And I hope that fills you with so much joy. I, feel, I hope that fills you with so much love and so much hope for the future. You're not just somebody, like I said, you're not a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. God's been in love with you for a very long time. Point number two, why did God choose a fiancé? I mean, Joseph had it hard. He was a good man. And back then, when they were betrothed to be married, it wasn't as simple as just putting a ring on it. Not like Beyonce say, if you like it, put a ring on it. No. Back then in Jewish custom, if you, if you like her, build a house for her. And so the custom back then would be that when the, the young man would go meet the father and go like, can I please have your daughter's hand in marriage? And then the father, future father-in-law say, of course you can, provided you can provide a roof over her head. And this man has to go away and work for I don't know how many years, depending on the profession that he is in, to save up money to build a house. And back then, only rich people could afford slaves and contractors. Otherwise, you had to be a DIY man yourself. So Joseph worked hard, saved up every penny, and then he DIY'd his own house. And Jewish custom was that when the house was complete, he would then go to meet the future father-in-law and say, Sir, can I please have your daughter's hand in marriage? And then the father-in-law would go like, provided I inspect the house first. And he would go and inspect, and he would probably shake on every beam, to make sure that it's done well so that it doesn't fall on and crush his precious daughter. He'll, he'll test the bed and he'll, he'll make sure. And if everything is to his liking, 
And then he says, now you can marry her. So imagine Joseph saving up, carpenter, right? Working hard. And so he says, I, I think I can do this. So he probably go like, wow. Can you imagine that? Guys, have you dated before? Have you been there before where you're saving up every penny to, to ask the girl out? You know, some of you here, you're so rich. You know, you're, you're, you're just, you're dating using your parents' finances. Wow, you know, God bless you. You know, but, but some of us, you know, the, the married man in church, you know what I'm saying, you know? You know, when you have to save up, you know, to buy that ring. You have to save up uh, to, 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 to put down payment on that house. You got to save up, you know, and you got to, you know, that's, that's, that's why, you know, when men, uh, uh, you know, get engaged and they get ready to get married, they lose a lot of weight. Uh, because it's just, just a lot of money just going towards the future instead of going to their tummy. And, and, and so, uh, for me too. And, 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 and so, imagine Joseph doing all that, working so hard, and finally going to his fiance Mary, and go like, Mary, your dad has given us the blessing. We can move in now. We can get married now. We can celebrate now. Oh, hi, Joseph. <sighs> can you imagine his heart must be like, I thought we, I thought we made a promise. Yeah. How, how, can you please explain? God. How many of you would take that? Right? Of course, in church, you know, some of the men here would take, you know, take this opportunity to show off. Oh, me, pastor. Me. Your child, I would not, I would not bother to ask his origin. No, it's not easy. It's not easy. You know, recently I caught up with a friend of mine. He's serving as a missionary today. And uh, he uh, married and of course it was the wife. He used first marriage for him but the wife's second marriage. And, and so initially he said when he was dating, he was all like, wow, God, you're giving me an opportunity to be like Joseph. And, 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 and during the wedding day, he told me very honest, you know, he's a good guy. He said that, told, told the wife, no, the bride in front of all the people at the wedding, your child will be my child. Your son will be my son. And then recently we caught up with him and he said, I've got to pray to God every day because it's not easy. You know, and this is, this is like, you know, if you think your pastor is spiritual, this guy is more spiritual than me. You know, this is my, my old uh, uh, roommate that, uh, you know, he took the, the, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit so literally that one time when we were students and we were out eating KFC, the next day he woke up at 5 a.m. to repent before God. God, I'm so sorry. If your word says that the body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. How can I put deep fried food in my body? <laughs> Meanwhile, your future pastor who was at then still a campus student was <laughs> and I could hear, oh God, please forgive me. Oh, oh. Oh, to go back to sleep, you know. It's not easy. And so can you imagine what was, what, why? Why did, God used Joseph. And the Bible says that Joseph thought of quietly. You see, he was still a man of honor. Right, guys, let's be real. If, if the girl that you've been saving everything up for two times you, you will be like, you will Instagram about it, right? You will Facebook about it. You will be like, how dare you? You know, you, and I, I you fill in the sentence. But Joseph was a man of honor wanted to quietly, okay, I don't know about this. If you say it's from God, I don't, I don't, I find it hard to believe, but I don't want to, I don't want to dishonor you. So let's just quietly part. But then an angel appeared and says that this is not 
she's telling the truth. This, this, this child in her is not, is supernatural. And so he continued faithfully to the point where he was so faithful that when the law required for everyone to head back to their hometown to register because they needed a census to know how many people were living around in that age of time, he brought back with him to his hometown controversy. He brought back with him hand in hand scandal. What was God trying to say when he chose Joseph that his love for us is a committed love? Joseph was committed. He was like, you know what? If God says to me and I believe God, I believe in you and now the angel has said that this child is, is, is from him, then I'm committed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be with you regardless of how other people look at us. And I'm going to go back. And was that rejection possibly? He was in his hometown and yet there was no room for him. How many of you, when you go back to your hometown, your relatives complain that you don't spend enough time with them? Right? You go back, go like, what? You're only here for three days? How come you never have me with me? How come you never stay with me? Don't even stay hotel, stay with me. But there was no room in his hometown. Because maybe because of that committed love, people rejected them. Joseph was also committed to Mary not because of her past, not because of what she said or what she didn't say, but because of the divine spark within her. And so God is also saying to us in another layer, I love you with a committed love. I love you with a supernatural love, but not just supernatural, I love you with a committed love. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you feel about yourself. I don't care what other people look at you. I love you because I see the divine spark in you. What was Joseph respecting? Joseph was respecting the divine nature of the baby within. Joseph wasn't looking at the outside. Joseph wasn't looking at the other people's opinion. Joseph was looking at the inside and what God was doing on the inside. Similarly, God is saying to us, I love you with a committed love. And my love for you is not based on how you did last year. My love for you is not based on your upbringing. My love for you is not based on your education degree, whether you have a degree, you don't have a degree, whether you fail or you pass, whether you're first class or third class, whether you have a high paying job or no paying job, whether you're white collar, blue collar, whether you're employed, unemployed, whether you're married, not married, single, with children, no children, widow, doesn't matter. God loves us not because of our background. God loves us not because of our skin color. God loves us because of the divine nature of what He is going to do in us. And so when God loves you, He loves the potential in you. When God loves you, He sees the good in you. Even though sometimes we can go like, God, I know there's good in me, but the good that I should do, I don't do, and the bad that I shouldn't do, I do. What a wretched man I am. And God still says, I love you still with a committed love. Because I love the divine in you. And we all have a divine in us. It's called our soul. It's called our spirit which lives for all eternity, and Jesus came to save our souls. Point number three, God chose shepherds. Shepherds. Why? Why shepherds? You know, we live in such a modern world. Unless I'm preaching in New Zealand right now, most of you will probably not understand what a shepherd does. Shepherds. And I don't know. As I was preparing today's message, I, 
I was a little bit confused because I thought shepherds, you know, whenever the Bible talked about shepherds, it represented wealth because these were livestock owners. But as I was meditating upon this, I go, God, why? Why of all people shepherds? Shepherd, is it because, you know, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd? And then God says that, you might not know this, but shepherds, and then I had to do some research and I realized this. We think today that, wow, shepherd, your own sheep. That's a rich guy, man. But actually, shepherds were not respected professions. And I was like, what? The first time I heard that was God dropping in my heart. And I go like, I got to research this before I share the rest of the church. And I researched it, you know, in biblical times. I was like, oh, you're right. Now, if you don't believe me, that's why in go back homework, in the book of Samuel, chapter 16, verse 11, when Samuel... I think 2 Samuel, it talks when it, Samuel was going around to anoint a King David as a successor to Saul. He went to the house of Jesse and all the children were laid in front of him and he looked at the firstborn and go like, wow, this guy is so good looking, muscular, six packs, suave, you know, million dollar smile, can sing, can dance. We're like, woo, this must be the Lord's anointed. And then God says, eh. And he says, okay, maybe the second one. And then God says, and third one, and and goes like, uh, sorry, Jesse, sorry to ask you this. Do you have other children? And then the dad says, can you imagine this? A, the, the most epic prophet of that time visits your house, and your dad asks you to go out and take care of the sheep. And 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 that means that, and you know, can you imagine this? The least, I'm sure Jesse didn't know that Samuel was coming to anoint the future king, but he probably thought the least he could do was lay hands. Lay hands. And I've, I've done missions before, and in Indonesia, we go house to house visitation, and sometimes just knowing that you're a pastor, knowing that there's some holiness power got to do with you, they bring out everything. Pastor, please lay hands on, on my son, on my daughter, on my baby. You know, some of them even want me to lay hands on their car so it doesn't break down and stuff like that. And so, Jesse could have at least asked David so that at least some laying of hands could happen. But instead, he was out there taking care of sheep. And, and so I go like, oh wow. Taking care of sheep was left to the nobodies. Taking care of sheep was, was not a glamorous thing. And, and that, that's why while the brothers were brought in, to meet the prophet, David the youngest was left there taking care of sheep. Because you know why? Why it's also not glamorous? Because it's dangerous. What else did David say when he was about to face Goliath? Oh, I've killed the lion and the bear. I mean, when you're taking care of sheep, you could get killed trying to protect the flock. So he's basically left for people that, you know, they're seen as disposable. And so what was God trying to say when he reach out of all people, he reached out to the shepherds. The angels appeared to the virgin, the angel appeared to the fiancé, and the angels appeared to the shepherds because God wanted to say, my love is an inclusive love. My love is not for the upper class. My love is for everyone. And how do I show that my love is for everyone? How do I show that I embrace everyone? by embracing the people in society that are seen as dispensable. They are seen as cannon fodder. They are seen as people who are there to take care of the sheep 
a job that nobody wants to do, a job that requires long hours. That's why they were still there, cold, possibly, you know, at, at the night there, and yet God appeared. And when I look at this, I go like, wow. And I begin to see Psalm 23 in a whole different way. The Lord is my shepherd. What was King David trying to say? He wasn't trying to reduce God, but he's trying to say that, he's trying to show us. That's why God says that David, that's why he came to the lineage of David, because King David totally got God's heart. The Lord I serve, he's not a hoity-toity God. He's powerful, but he's humble. And he is my shepherd. But by him saying he is my shepherd, it also means that as a king or as a young lad, he sees himself as a sheep. So God, you are humble. You, you, you love the, the blue collar. You love the downtrodden. And while you're humble, we are less. Because if you are the shepherd, we are your sheep. Go back, read something in the tree with this revelation. It, it totally changes you. And you can't help but fall on your knees and, and fall in love with God all over again. So what is God trying to say? I love you with supernatural love. I love you with a committed love. And I love you with an inclusive love. There is no one that can escape God's love. And sometimes we grow up feeling very strange about ourselves, thinking that, does God really love me? Can God really love me? I feel like a freak sometimes. Because you know God is committed, but sometimes you go, God, I, I know you're committed, but God, if only you know who I really am. I'm nothing. And God says that I love everything. I, my love is inclusive. My love does not look at income levels. My love does not look at education levels. My love looks out for those that the society doesn't look out for. Can you imagine your job is so dispensable that you're there taking care of the sheep and if lions and bears come, basically the shepherds, the, the, the main you know, flock owner's hope is that hopefully you get eaten by the lion and then I can still continue to sell the sheep. But God says that that's how much He loves us. And he, by doing that, He's trying to say that, He's trying to also describe Jesus' ministry moving forward. And that's why when Jesus started His ministry, everyone loved Him. And that's why even the sinners, the sinners especially loved Him. Because Jesus on His very birth already declared, this is the type of love I'm going to love this world. Now, we can sit here and talk about God's love until we cry. And, and I know some of us, we have tears almost there. And in the blink of an eye, probably some will stream down. But I also feel that now that we know how much God loves us, this, this love shouldn't just be kept to ourselves. This love should empower us. And so, the, the one point at least that we can walk away with today I want us to turn to 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. Now that we know that God loves us with a supernatural love, with a committed love, with an inclusive love, and then there are many more ways we can break it down. You know, we can look at, you know, the stars, and that's another message for another day. We can look at the wise men, and that's another message for another day. We can look at, you know, a lot of things, but, but just these three components you know, that was present at the birth of Jesus is enough to reduce us to tears how much God loves us. So what should our response be? To sit in church and cry every day? No. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it says this, there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out all fear. In other words, if you know now that you are so loved by God, 
I pray that this love, this supernatural love, this committed love, this inclusive love will begin to deliver you and set you free from the different fears in your life. I don't know what you're going through. And maybe you're, you're going through a season where you feel so afraid, you know, afraid of the uncertainty, afraid of the future, afraid of your past, afraid. But I want you to know that now that you are covered and coated in God's love, that God's love will begin to set you free from every fear in your life. Afraid, I pray that you will no longer be afraid to do at least three things. And very quickly, I want to give us three additional points. Is that okay? And then I'll close. I pray that God's perfect love will not only cast out all fear in our life, but it will also help us not to, not to be afraid to love other people. You know, last week, I was so proud of the, uh, the men in church who rose up and uh, went out. The whole last week, some of you might or might not know this, but on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, uh, the men in church, you know, rose up uh, to cook, to shop, to pack food, and uh, went out to feed the homeless. You know, can I show you some pictures? We didn't just buy food that was left over. We didn't just buy food that was reduced. Uh, we made everything from scratch. So this is uh, pasta bolognese. Look at that. It looks good, right? We showed that to some people, and then the reply was, I wish I was homeless. That was Monday. This is pasta bolognese. And then on, on Wednesday, it was some cottage pie made with uh, some secret family recipe from Malaysia. Not the land of cottage pie, but there, there was a secret recipe there and it was delicious. It's amazing. And then on Friday, we cooked some uh, uh, Alfredo pasta with mushroom bacon and roast chicken on top. And we gave them, we packed them up and we gave them out. And the whole of last week, we were so blessed to impact more than 40 people because some people, we gave out just blankets. Some people, we gave out just uh, water. Some people, we gave out just fruits. Uh, so at least, at least minimum, 40 people were blessed. How did that happen? Because the men, loved by God, were no longer afraid to love others. And I was so proud to see our men go out. And some people were saying that, why? Why pastor? You know, the girls, I know the girls want to serve. You know, why pastor? Only involve the men. Feels like, you know, your pastor sexist, wants to, you know, stop the women from being blessed. No, no, no. Girls, you don't understand. I'm preparing you for the ultimate blessing. I'm trying to raise up men that know how to cook. I'm raising up men who know how to clean. I'm raising up men who have compassion. Oh, come on. You don't even realize. You know, some, someone will be cooking, you know, while the, while the men in church are saying that, Pastor, we can do this as a ministry to train men how to cook as well. And then, and then they mention, wouldn't it be awesome? This is the ultimate pickup line. Can you imagine you're cooking? You know, for the girl that you're interested in. And I go, go like, wow, how, where do you learn to cook? Oh, I learned to cook while feeding the homeless. Oh, right then. Then I tell you, the girl will be like, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. He's the one, he's the one, he's the one. Anyway. But when we went out, I was so proud of men. They were like, you know, compassionate, not afraid to talk. Some of them were doing it for the first time. But not afraid to talk, bend down see them face to face. And I'll be honest, not all of them smelled good, but the men were not afraid to hand them and show up with compassion, to shake their hands, you know, to pray for them, 
to hold them and not just shake their hands, but to hold their hand and talk to them. Because men that are loved by God are no longer afraid to love other people. And I pray that knowing that you're so loved by God, this will help you to love the people around you. And not just talking about the homeless, but, but maybe even love enough to forgive that housemate before the year ends. Don't make it your 2019 declaration, I will forgive my housemate. No. Close the account this year. Maybe some of you who are loved by God will have enough love to pick up the phone and call your parents and tell them how much you love them even though maybe they've not been the nicest and maybe there've been some arguments, but you can love them. And, and so I pray that now that you're so loved by God, you will overcome your fear to love other people and to touch other people. Maybe now that you're so loved by God, that this perfect love will cast out your fear of trusting God. You know, sometimes we are going through such a rough patch that we can't feel God. We can't hear His voice. And we're not even sure what we're doing is really His plan. But this is where we can continue to trust God because He loves us. And this is so important. Love helps us to trust. Love helps us to rest. And, and, and so when you know that you're loved by God, it doesn't matter if you can't hear Him right now. It's going to be okay because He loves you. It doesn't matter whether you're not sure whether you're on the right path right now. It doesn't matter because He loves you. Love helps us to continue. Love helps us to trust. Maybe God is trying to tell you, hey, in this new year, I want you to do something for me. I want you to live for me. Would you do that? And then we're thinking, oh, but to do that, I got to give up this. Maybe God is trying to tell you, I want you to serve in church. Oh, but to serve, I got to, I'll have less time to study. And God is saying that, would you trust? But God, will you come through for my studies? Would you trust? God, my exams, you don't understand how hard my exams. God, would you trust? How do I trust you, God? Because I love you. Would you give more to the offering this year? But, but I don't have a lot, I'm just a student. Yeah, 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 but even students can give. But, but, but God, but you don't understand if I give that, I don't have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you trust that I will make sure that you'll never be bankrupt? Would you trust they will always have more than enough? But how, God, how will I know I never experienced financial breakthrough before? But you experienced my love before, haven't you? Mm-hmm. That's good enough. Trust. Sometimes we're afraid to trust God, but I pray that their love will help us to trust God. We're afraid to reach out. I pray that their love will help us to reach out. And last but not least, I pray that the love of God, the perfect love of God, will help us no longer to be afraid to follow after Him. To trust God is one thing, but to follow after Him means to die to your old self and to say yes to the new that God wants you to be. Follow, following after Jesus means maturing. Maturing means that I can no longer be childish. The Bible says I gotta, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I played like a child, I gotta, but now that I'm no longer a child, I got to give up my childish ways so that I can have the more of God. But is it easy? No. Is it comfortable? No. It's uncomfortable. It means more responsibility. It means rising up. It means more sacrifice. It's not easy to follow after God. But if you know that you're loved by God, you're able to overcome that fear of following Him. There's a, another book. The name is called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's by C.S. Lewis. It has this, in, this really famous description of Aslan the Lion, which was C.S. Lewis's way of representing Christ the King. And it was 
the children asking Mr. Beaver, because they haven't seen Aslan yet, Aslan, but he's a lion. And then they ask, is he safe? And then Mr. Beaver said, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he is good. Following after God is not going to be easy. Following after God will require us to sacrifice. But He is good. And He is love. And He loves us. Amen. And I pray that in this Christmas season, you don't just be taken in by the peace and the love and the good vibes, but I pray that we will be in love with God all over again. Falling deeply, madly in love with Him. Because He loves us. He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. And with this testimony, I'd like to close. In two days' time on Christmas Day, my father will be getting baptized. And he's a hard man, but a hard man who has finally come to know Jesus. And so recently, I called home and asked my mom, how's dad? He's been going for his baptism classes. The pastor's asking me all sorts of questions, making sure that he's baptizing for himself, not for you. And so the pastor asked, are you sure you want to be baptized? Please don't be baptized because your wife tells you to be baptized. Please don't be baptized because your children are asking you to be baptized. And then my father said this, no, I want to be baptized. In fact, now that I know about the love of God, I realize that I should have been baptized a long time ago. And he said this, in, in this because he speaks Mandarin, he doesn't speak English. So as there's no direct English translation, let's try to explain this to Pastor Cat. There's two words in, in, in Chinese, but it means, it's, it means so poetic in English. And basically he says this, I have been, in Chinese it says, well, I think in rough translation in English means that I have been adrift, aimlessly, without home, without love, for 50 years. I have been astray for 50 years. I think it's time I come back to God. What changed my dad? The love of God. The fact that God loves him makes my dad a man, a hard man. My dad, before he came to know Jesus, he'd been through so many accidents. And people used to say this, you know, he... One very bad accident, he needed facial reconstructive surgery. And so people said that my brother looks like my dad before he got surgery. And I look like my dad after he got surgery. <laughs> and if that wasn't enough, that accident didn't wake him up. Oh, there's no God. And he used to be so angry when we would pray for him. And then when I was young, he got into another accident. And this time, he lost three, to three uh, do you call them toes? Are they are, are all toes or is it just the two big ones are toes? They're all toes. <laughs> Sorry. So he lost three. Two on the left side and one on the right side. And this was a man who got into a major car accident. His feet was crushed and trapped and he lost three toes, and yet he refused to bow to God. 
And in 2010, it was a major accident uh, that forced him to retire. Uh, he was on a speedboat driving part of his job. And I think he, there was an accident that happened. And he got flung out of the speedboat. And uh, he had a minor fracture in his skull. Uh, and his hips need to be, you know, replaced with some metal parts. Uh, he was in a coma for two days. And yet when he wake up, he refused to bow to God. But we kept praying. And we kept praying. And we kept praying. And every Sunday before preaching, uh, when we as a church pray for our unsaved loved ones, I was praying. I was praying, and I was praying, and maybe this can help you pray for your loved ones. All I prayed to God was this, God, please help him to see your love. Help him to see how real your love is. God, let your love touch his heart. And yet, in, and right now, in two days' time, he's going to give his life to Jesus by going through the waters of baptism because now he has seen, and he, out of his own mouth, 50 years, I have been adrift aimlessly without purpose, without love, without family, without home. It's time to come home. It was God's love that brought him home. Let's pray. Father Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, you are so amazing. God, I thank you that you love us, you love us, you love us. And Lord, I pray, Lord, even as we celebrate Christmas, God, it is really a celebration of your love. Your name, Jesus, means Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God is near. Friends, I want you to know that God is not far away. God is here and He is near. Emmanuel means God with us. God with His people. God in our midst. And Jesus loved us so much that He came to be within our midst. And he loves us with a love that's beyond time, that cannot be limited by time and space itself. The love of God is beyond time and space. The love of God is a committed love who's not afraid of the seeming scandals in your life. He loves us. He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. And last but not least, He loves us with an all-encompassing, all-inclusive, non-discrimination love. Oh, how He loves us. God, I pray as we celebrate Christmas today, we will be so madly, deeply in love with you all over again. And help us, Lord, not just to know that we are loved, but help that love transcend into action. Now that we know that we're loved, may we rise up and not be afraid to love the people around us, not be afraid to trust in you, and not to be afraid to follow after you and to change if we have to, and to let go and close doors in our lives that don't honour you because you are worth it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.